else. And then I look over and they're, they're putting you on this horse. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, is that a big dog that you're riding? <laughs> I asked the lady who was the, the woman who was helping you up. I said, where do you put the quarters in this thing to make it go? <clears throat> I know. Toby was adorable, although I was slightly worried and I kept saying, okay, Toby, Toby, we're going into the wilderness now, Toby. So, you know, you can do it. I mean, do you think he's ever been in the wilderness No, Toby's used to walking around the pasture two or three times and then taking a nap. This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, our stories of adventures and misadventures as we travel to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Matt Smith. And I'm Karen Smith. We are the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. On today's episode, we're talking about one of the most unique trips we've ever done in a national forest. Right. As we traveled throughout our public lands, we've done so by car, on foot, and on buses and boats. But this was the first time we ventured out on the back of a horse. We'll discuss what a four-day horsepack trip into the wilderness was like for tender feet like us. And we'll share all the details of camp life. So, (laughs) so, saddle up, partners. It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to put an end to your puns before you stir up any more trouble. Okay, that was a good one. (laughs) Did we ever decide on a name for this episode? Because Matt and Karen go on a four-day horsepack trip into the wilderness is kind of long, don't you think? It seems that uh, coming up with titles for our episodes is always a problem. We also had... uh, Saddle Up Partner or True Grit. I liked those. I like Saddle Up Partner. But we have to have a title. When we have 1,300 episodes out there, like Joe Rogan. (laughs) And 200 million listeners. Yeah, yeah, 200 million (laughs) listeners. And and people are skimming through, hmm, which one do I listen to next? They don't know what Saddle Up Partner is. That's true. Although... True grit, I feel, would have been really appropriate considering how dirty we got. We were gritty. We, we were We could super just gritty. call it true gritty. <laughs> um, or city slickers. City slickers. Now, that would have been the perfect one. I wonder if there are, like, licensing issues with that. Could probably. Could, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. probably going to get sued just by saying the names. <laughs> so for this episode, I don't know, city slickers, we'll have to figure out a descriptive official title. Yeah, I think we're going to have to give it some more thought. We're going to give it some more thought. (laughs) We got to get into it. We have a lot to talk about. We always over outline our episodes. We have way too much stuff. So let's let's talk fast. (laughs) We'll talk fast this whole time. Today's episode's about a horseback trip that we took a few years ago, a couple years ago. Four-day, three-night horseback trip into the Pasayan Wilderness in north-central Washington. That's right. And fortunately, we went with an outfitter. 
And this outfitter made sure that we didn't just ride off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Did you, did you think he, he was going to saddle us up on some horses and then smack the butt of the lead horse and then we would be off into the wilderness? No, what I'm saying is, is the outfitter saved us. Can you imagine if we would have done a horse pack trip on our own? We almost died with help, with, with, with a guide oh. and equipment and knowing exactly where we were, which is seems like a theme with all of our trips. I know. It's the misadventure part of the it adventure. Misadventure. <laughs> now, people might think that because we both grew up in Kansas that we w- would be familiar with horses. Because there's so many horses in Kansas. That's right. That's what you do, right? You ride horses. <laughs> but we, we never did. <laughs> we were city slickers. We were, yeah. <laughs> I knew what a horse was, but I <laughs> well, certainly good. didn't know how to ride one. <laughs> I think the last time, the last time and one of the only times that we were ever on a horse was back in what, like 1997, I think. And it was when we were in Rocky Mountain National Park with our kids and we did a three hour guided horseback ride. Remember that? Yeah, we couldn't walk for two days afterwards. (laughs) And so we thought since we had ridden horses like 25 years before, uh, we were in perfect shape to do a four-day horseback trip. No, no problem. That's right. It'll be a piece of cake. And of course, like a lot of our adventures, John and Lolly roped us into this one. Do you like, did you get my pun? They roped okay. us. <laughs> I can't see your notes from over here, but please tell me you don't have a whole bunch of horseback puns ready to, to use you'll just have to wait and see i'm going to try to work in the, okay. the cowboy lingo whenever right. i can or the cowgirl yeah mm-hmm. so where were we okay so john and lolly did the same trip 20 years earlier and they had loved it and they kept talking to us about going back and doing the same trip again and so finally they wore us down they wore us down <laughs> And there was, I think there was beer involved one day when we decided, mm-hmm. oh, let's do that. So we decided, <laughs> we planned this for the first week of August back in 2019. And we had known about this for a while. So I think we planned it in late winter or early spring of that mm-hmm. year. So so we had we had some time to get ready. I know. I wanted to do some practice rides so that our muscles would get stretched out <laughs> in whatever way they needed is to this, stretch out. Is, you think that was the – was that your worry that yes. they wouldn't be stretched out enough? Yes. You know how you sit on the saddle and then – I know now. Yeah. <laughs> What I thought was funny is since we knew months ahead of time, we would tell people we were going to go on this horseback trip. And we got all of all sorts of suggestions that we never asked for advice. Mm -hmm. Like lots of horse people out there. And one that came up multiple times was that we needed to get monkey butt. I know. And so I did buy monkey butt. I did buy monkey butt. It's a powder that you sprinkle. You sprinkle on your crottle area. To prevent chafing on the on the saddle. So it's and I bought it. I gave a can to John and Lolly and I got a can for us and and we actually did use it. Well you used up like three or four cans <laughs> before <laughs> before the trip even started. Which I thought was weird. I was testing <laughs> I kept, it out. I kept saying, Oh, we need more monkey butt. 
And and another package would come what? from Amazon. <laughs> where, where do you even get monkey butt? Amazon. Right. I, I, yeah, I don't know. that. Spoiler alert. I don't think the monkey butt helped any. I don't think it did either. The other suggestion people kept telling us, which makes sense, is to buy bicycling shorts that you know those shorts that have the padding in the crotch. Yeah, and then <laughs> well, it's um, not the crotch. No, it's the butt. Okay, <laughs> well, okay, but maybe the padding extends to the crotch. Maybe. I, I don't know. We don't I've have. Never, I, we don't have them. <laughs> we, like most things in our podcast episodes, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Somebody, please let us know if bike shorts, if the padding goes all the way to the front of the crotch, because I don't. I really don't know. So, needless to say, we didn't buy we didn't any. Do that. Because we don't we don't bike. Well, we did a couple of things correctly. We did decide to wear long pants, like jeans and cowboy boots, because uh, you need to you need to make sure that you have cowboy boots. One with a heel, so that you can you know put those in the stirrups. But also, you want you want the bottoms of your soles to be a little bit slick. So if when you're getting off, you don't want your boot to get caught in the stirrup. So we wow, had, Matt. How did you know that? Well, you're you're a real I, cowboy. I, I host. I like that a cowboy show <laughs> in our basement for a different channel, a competitor to the History Channel. Um, anyway, I I did appreciate that because it was a reason to shop. I had to get some cute cowboy boots and a cowboy hat. You have to have a hat out there and a western shirt. I think there's there is a reason I never figured out why you should wear western shirts, but you know you have to. You have to be outfitted properly. I wore a Western shirt. I wore that every day on this trip. I washed it in the creek every day, <laughs> and it was still so dirty at the end of the trip I had to throw it away. I know. Yeah, we'll talk about that But we later, had but... bandanas. I bought American flag bandanas for the women folk. That's right. We were looking sharp. We were. We didn't know anything <laughs> about riding horses. but <laughs> So when the day of our trip finally came... We met at the Outfitters Ranch. They have a beautiful spread. They do um, they do horseback riding lessons and they do hunting camps and camps like they were taking us out to. So they have all kinds of things going on there. That's when we met our guide and our crew, essentially. Our guide was Buck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was another gentleman that went with us, Thomas. He was uh, both a guide and the cook, essentially. And then there was John and Lolly and you and I. And then... There was one other individual that had joined us, Betty. Betty was an accomplished horsewoman. Yes, she was, <laughs> so um, the, unlike us. There was f- essentially five guests, two, mm-hmm. two guides. Yeah, we had booked a private trip. We had another couple who had, had signed on to go with us, and unfortunately they had to cancel at the last minute. So the outfitter put Betty in with us. Right. So there were five of us. But I think for a lot of these horse pack trips, you can book a private trip or you can sign on to go with the group. That's how we did it. What surprised me when we got there was how many mules – they had for us, for for our trip. I mean, I guess it makes sense now. Like, where the heck are we going to put all our stuff? But they ended up, I think there was eight mules? Eight yeah. Or nine, eight, eight or nine mules? So anyway. That there did was, seem like a lot for five guests. Yeah, seven horses, eight mules. So our mm-hmm. train, our mm-hmm. pack train was pretty long. It was. But if you think about it, so those eight mules, they had to carry all of the kitchen equipment, all of the food, um, they carried all of our tents and then, of course, all the duffels that we brought in our backpacks and that kind of stuff. And then they were also setting up a hunting camp up there, weren't they? 
Right. So, yeah, that's right. That, there was a little bit of extra equipment. Maybe that's why we had a couple of extra mules. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so we had a great breakfast there at the Outfitters, uh, loaded up in the trucks, and then then drove out to the trailhead, which was quite a ways. I mean, we yeah. this was about – an hour north of the town of Winthrop, Washington. That's right. So we were heading up into the Pesaten Wilderness, which is the biggest wilderness area in Washington state. And it's it encompasses about a half a million acres, and it runs along more than 50 miles of the Canadian border. So I read that the Pesaten Wilderness has 150 mountains that are over 7,500 feet in elevation and they also have 160 or more bodies of water. So this is a beautiful wilderness area, and it's also part of Okanagan National Forest. Yeah, it was a beautiful setting. Now, once we got to the trailhead, it, it was a big area, and it had hitching posts where they could take out the horses and the mules and tie them up. And I remember I was anxious to finally get to see my horse, the horse that was going to be uh, my transportation and hopefully my friend for the next four days. Yeah, I wasn't paying attention. I think I was trying to make sure you know we took the duffel, our duffel bags out of John's truck and some other details. And then I look over and there. <laughs> They're putting you on this horse. <laughs> I, thought, I thought, is that a big dog that you're riding? <laughs> are you going to ride a dog into the wilderness? You are talking about Toby. <laughs> Toby. <laughs> now, one of the outfitters took me over to Toby, and she spent some time lengthening the stirrups. And then she looked at me and she said, uh, yeah, the reason I have to lengthen these stirrups is because usually – we have children riding Toby in the ring. <laughs> and so I have to I have to lengthen them enough for you. And I thought, yes, I have a children's horse. Yeah, you it's do. perfect. Yeah. <laughs> I asked the lady who was the the woman who was helping you up, I said, where do you put the quarters in this thing to make it go? <clears throat> I know. Toby was adorable, although I was slightly worried and I kept saying, okay, Toby, Toby, we're going into the wilderness now, Toby. So, you know, you can do it. I mean, do you think he's ever been in the wilderness No, Toby's used to walking around the pasture two or three times and then taking a nap. He's going off into the wilderness. I know, with me on his back. Little short legs. What it reminded me of is, you know, sometimes when you you watch these shows that, that they have horses and stuff and then... You know, to shame somebody, they make them ride a donkey. That's what I thought. I know. Karen's, riding a, Karen's going to ride a donkey. Yeah, it was time for Toby to put on his big boy pants and go into the wilderness. Big horse pants, right. <laughs> big horse pants. But what was even funnier and the exact opposite is when they showed us your horse. Yeah, it's a giraffe. Oh, my gosh. I have never seen a horse that big in my life. No, I, I haven't either. And they, start, they started rolling over a stump. Over. <laughs> <laughs> and my horse hadn't come out yet. And they're rolling the stump over. And I know what they're doing. They're like, this is for me to stand on to get on the horse. And I'm thinking, I don't need a stump. Uh-huh. I mean, I can get up on a horse. <laughs> and then they bring out this giraffe. And I'm thinking, that's, that's, do you have a bigger stump? <laughs> I should say that months before the trip, we had to fill out some forms where we signed our life away, basically. <laughs> and then we had to say how tall we were and how much we weighed. And then 
so they could match up the proper size of the horse with the person. So, I mean, you're six feet tall, but I did they misread that? And like, did they think you were I, seven feet tall? I don't because know. this horse was a monster. He, he was a he was a big one. He had a really <laughs> long neck. But oh, I, and his I, name was Greg. Did we say that? His name was Greg. But wait, what weight did you put down on your form? <laughs> Well, I got a children's horse, got, didn't I? They gave you a, they gave you a donkey. <laughs> I may have fudged the number a little bit. <laughs> and Lolly's horse was Cisco. And, and uh-huh. we cannot remember the name of John's horse. So every single time we see John and Lolly, we have this conversation. We've had this conversation literally 50 times since then. No one can remember the name of John's horse, including John. And so, it's really bugging me. Yeah, we're thinking about like going out to the outfitters one day. (laughs) Hi, remember us? That's right. What was John's horse name? Uh, So it took a while. It it took them a while to lay out all the tarps and put all the equipment in the tarps, and then they tie them onto the mules. So that, I don't know, gosh, it took probably 45 minutes or so. We're kind of milling about. But by the time it was ready to go and everybody was saddled up, they gathered us together, and I thought they were going to kind of explain how to ride a horse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here are the instructions. That's but right. Here's what you do. Here's your manual. <laughs> they had had enough of us by then. They're like, just leave. Yeah, get the hell out yeah, of here. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a lot of instruction as far as um, how to drive a horse, but but I do remember you know, yeah. <laughs> the woman told us, and this is stuck in my brain, she said, when you get to the part where you go along the edge of the cliff and there will be a very, very steep, long drop off, you want to sit up straight in the saddle. Don't lean into the cliffside. Because she said most people have the tendency to lean away from the drop off and then that sort of pushes the horse's uh, center of gravity over towards the drop-off. So she said, just make sure you sit up straight. And remember, your horse doesn't want to fall off a cliff any more than you do. (laughs) You want to take bets on that? (laughs) I was going to call bullshit on that. I'm pretty sure I don't want to fall off a cliff way more than my horse. (laughs) Yeah, I I had more questions than answers after that little uh, explanation. Like, what cliffs are we talking about? I know, That did make me a little nervous. So anyway, we're ready to kind of cross the road and start heading up the trail. And so Buck, who's the lead guide, he put us in in the order and he had all the mules tied together, which I thought this was really interesting. They tie the mules together with twine. And I said, well, is that strong enough to keep the mules together? He goes, oh, no, they they can break it easily. They just don't know that they can break the twine. (laughs) And so they see the twine attached to the mule in front, and they think they're tied up, and so they don't go anywhere, (laughs) which I I thought was pretty interesting. I know. We learned all (laughs) kinds of things on that trip, actually way more than we ever wanted to know. (laughs) So anyway, Buck Buck went first, and Mm -hmm. then then the mules, then uh, Thomas, and then the rest of us. And it was warm. Oh, my gosh. It It, was really hot. It was in the 90s. We got our uh, bandanas on, our Western long sleeve shirts, our cowboy boots, our jeans, and it's mid 90s. So, and I was thinking, you know, we're dressed like this partly because you're going to get dusty on the trail, right? And I was thinking, like, how how dirty are we really going to get? Do we really need to be wearing long pants and, and long sleeve shirts? It took about three minutes for us to be completely covered. 
in dust. Oh, as, if if even three minutes. Right. I know. Pretty and quick. of course, we knew that there would be no showers and no bathing for four days. So yeah, we were dirty like right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. Buck had told us right there uh, before we left, he said, now it's going to be a long day and we're going to have a lot of water crossing some small creeks and some bigger creeks. And the horses, if they come to a creek and they bend their head down, it's fine to let the reins out so that there's enough slack on the reins so they can bend down and get a drink. And so I thought makes sense, right? So about 10 minutes into the ride, we come to a creek. And so my horse gets to the creek and he bends his head down. So I thought, okay, well, he wants a drink. So I, I put slack in the reins so he can bend down. He didn't want a drink. <laughs> I know. I, I, saw I did not know this at the time. He was gathering himself. Mm -hmm. He did not want to walk through the water. He proceeds to leap across the <laughs> creek. He, we flew through the air. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, seeing it from behind, it was a thing of beauty. Yeah, uh -huh. It was like... When you see those horses jumping over the gates, what's that called? I you don't know. When you, I don't know either. Again, we're not horse <laughs> yeah. people, but they, you know, they leap up and they leap over and they have these long strides and it's absolutely beautiful. That's what he did. And we should say, I don't think you said that we found out that he is, he was um, a harness racer, right? He, he was a harness racer. <laughs> he had a life before the trail. <laughs> <laughs> Something about harness racing, he didn't like crossing water. And he thought because he was a racing horse that his job was to pass all the other horses. So that was a whole nother issue that mm -hmm. I had to deal with trying to keep him back because he would crowd the horse in front, which is not safe for anybody, right? They could kick if they get bothered. Um, yeah. His steering was also broken. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's why he was no longer a hardest racing horse. Because it's like one of those bumper cars, you know, at, at the carnival where you turn the wheel to the right, but the car just keeps going straight for about three more seconds, and then it turns hard to the right. <laughs> that's what my horse was doing. That was great. And I'm sure it had nothing to do with me not knowing how to steer a horse. But, you know, I think horses can sense that, Matt, yeah. that, the, that the rider on their back has no clue what they're doing. Well, we flew through the air in the first 10 minutes. So. <laughs> I, and we I was really looking forward to the, <laughs> to the next 3.9 days left on this horse. <laughs> That's right. So that first day was a long, long day. I think we were on horseback about eight hours. And one thing that I didn't realize going into it, but that most of that first day we were riding through burnout. Now, unfortunately, fires have plagued the Pesatan wilderness for the last 20 years. And we were we were riding through what was left after the uh, 2017 Diamond Creek fire. And unfortunately, about 65% of the Pesatan wilderness has burned, which is really tragic. However, the good news is, is we could already see the forest kind of regenerating itself. It was, and the trees were coming back, you know, the little trees were, that were sprouting up. However, they're pretty small, and so it didn't provide a lot of shade. Uh, there were a couple of spots that uh, were a little bit treacherous. Yeah, it didn't take too long to come to that uh, cliff section that the that the woman had told us about with the very steep drop-off, and the trail is very narrow at that point. So as we're plodding along there, Toby, I, I made sure I sat up straight, but Toby kept swinging his head to look over the edge. He like he wanted the, to see the view. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and every time. He doesn't get out much. No, <laughs> 
wondered what that was. What the heck is that? <laughs> that 300-foot drop. Every time he would swing his head out, then, you know, his shoulder – do horses have shoulders? Yeah. The- okay, so his shoulders would move in that direction. And, oh, my gosh, we got so close to the edge. It was freaking me out. Yeah, and my horse steering was broken, so I was just thinking maybe this is how it all ends. Well, and you're like <laughs> forty. You're like forty feet off the ground. I was. It was. I was up there quite a ways. So on a horse who had been demoted from a racer and is, was questioning whether or not it was worth it anymore to be a horse. That's right. Uh, so yeah, we. But we got past the the cliff. Okay, we came to another spot. There was I don't know maybe a ten or twenty foot area where it was just the trail was just granite and it was pretty steep and the buck had told us he said i think we're going to be fine on this uh you know the trick is to get the mules to go up it but the thing about the mules are they're smarter than horses and you know the mules you can't get a mule to do something stupid he goes you can get a horse to do anything he goes but the mules they're smarter They, they won't do something that's dangerous so if the mules will go up this granite spot that the horses will follow. And so we hesitated. It was a little precarious going up there. Well, it was because it was slick. It was polished granite and it was slippery. And when he said that, he and he said, "Uh, a horse will go right off a cliff if you lead him enough. And I thought, (laughs) And Toby will jump (laughs) voluntarily. Thank you. Thank you for that. So at one point we did we did stop for lunch and we got off the horses and we had a sack lunch. But boy, about seven hours into the day, we had all had it. Oh yeah, we needed to get off those horses. And so I remember we kept asking Thomas in front of us, "Are we almost there yet? When are we going to be there?" And he would call up to Buck at the front, and Buck did what all parents do who have their kids complaining behind them. He would say, just another mile, yep. just another mile, just another mile. <laughs> yeah. So about four <laughs> miles later, we we kind of, uh, we had a little bit of a, um, we were close to mutiny. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, Thomas didn't know where we were going either. Buck had been to this camp before. Mm-hmm. Thomas knew the area, but he hadn't been to this this specific camp. So Thomas wasn't Sure, either. That's right. Exactly where we were going. Right. But we finally, we actually did get to the point where we were only about a mile away. And there happened to be a Forest Service camp. So Buck said to Thomas, okay, you guys all stop here, take a break, take 10, 15 minutes. I'm going to just go on to camp. I'll take the mules, all the equipment and stuff. And then he told Thomas, you know. This is where we're going. He said, you just go down this ravine and then up that hill there, and then you go straight for a while and then take a left, and we're up on that hill. Literally, those were the instructions he gave Thomas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and so off goes Buck and all the mules. And our entire life. And all (laughs) food, tents, clothing. We have, you know, each of us has a half a bag of uh, Lay's potato chips in our saddlebag left. So we we walked around for 10 or 15 minutes trying to get feeling back into our butts. Or, mm-hmm. or, and then it was time to, to saddle back up. So, okay, fine. Let's get to camp. Let's do the last mile. And uh, – and I have to say, it wasn't very reassuring when Thomas said, now, which way did he go? And we and we kind th- of saw him head off and we pointed. But I thought that was a joke. I mean, uh, like he's, yeah, he no. told you the directions. Right. 
Okay, but which ravine and which hill? Because there, you know, we're, uh, there's only a half a million acres of wilderness out here, mm-hmm. um, and. Clearly, no one had been in this area for a long time because at this point, there is not much of a trail. It's really overgrown. Branches have fallen. Weeds have grown up. You can kind of see a little bit of a trail here and there. But we were in some sketchy and there was that really deep ravine that we oh, had to yeah. go down through branches. You, could, you, and- could, you couldn't see the ground. So the horses mm-hmm. couldn't see where they were putting mm-hmm. their feet. We were about 10 or 15 minutes into it, and Thomas is now looking at the ground around his horse. I thought he lost something. Mm-hmm. Like, did his watch fall off? Did mm-hmm. his saddlebag fall off? Because he was intently looking at the ground around his horse. And finally, he looks at, he, he looks at the rest of us and says, everybody, look for hoof prints. And like, hoof prints? Now we're tracking. Now we're, we're having to track the mules. <laughs> For a little while, we had no clue where we were going. Okay, that was so scary because, again, it's now starting. The sun is starting to go down, and we realize that the headlamps that we brought, the jackets we brought. Oh, we had nothing. Everything was with the mules, the tents, everything. We had absolutely nothing with us. And even though it was in the 90s when we took off, we had been going up in elevation the Mm -hmm. the whole day. So it was – it was cool and getting cooler fast. So we, we had nothing. I know. At that point, I was almost panicking because I thought, what will we do? I thought we're going to have either- to eat Toby. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. That, that's awful. We would never do that. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I did think, okay, two things. We're either just going to have to, we're either just going to have to hunker down and sleep right there or possibly buck i guess he'll have to come back in the dark and try to find us but it it was pretty sketchy for a while and we are literally hunting for hoof prints and trying to make our way through this brush i'm not sure we ever found hoof prints we just kept going in that general direction mm-hmm. there was a mountain that we kind of we went up the side of thinking that camp was up there right and thank and god it was, it was it was just a miracle that, <laughs> it that was we a kind freaking of miracle looking up over the horizon, and we see Buck's cowboy hat sticking mm-hmm. up above and, the weeds. And, and so. eight mules with all mm. of our stuff. So it was, thank it was like, God. Tell me which tarp my stuff's in, and mm-hmm. I'm going to like grab my backpack and, and tent. And That's right. And so the deal with the outfitters is they carry all your stuff, and they cook the meals, but you're responsible for setting up your own tent. So we they unloaded the mules. We grabbed our tent and our duffels, uh, set about – putting up our tents while they set about uh, making dinner. And we also, there was a really nice big fire pit. I know you guys, you and John were getting wood and starting a fire. Yeah, so we were able to to warm up. And once we had the tents set and, and had our warm clothes on, we were, we were fine. It, it was a beautiful campsite. Okay. It was absolutely gorgeous. The the fires hadn't reached this camp, thank goodness. There were a few burned out trees, but I would say it was about 75% still pristine and the wild flowers were everywhere. And, you know, we were on the side of this mountain, so the views to the north and to the east were incredible. I swear we could see Canada. Yeah, it was a beautiful setting and they did a great job. Thomas made made us dinner that night. It was great food and and mm-hmm. so eventually we're just sitting around the campfire. It's dark now and we we had the our city slickers moment, right? Where we <laughs> right. 
I think we heard a coyote howl. Yeah, yeah. And I turned to Buck, and I don't know why I asked this question, but I, I said, Buck, do you have a gun on you? And I could tell by the way he answered that he was a little bit ashamed. Like he said, no, I didn't. Like maybe he probably should have had a pistol with him or, or, or a gun because we didn't bring bear spray. We had, you know, no kinds of, of protection against any wildlife whatsoever. So we're thinking, okay, that's that's fine. That's fine. We all we all now smell like flank steak. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to get into our tents. <laughs> I know. We did not think about bringing bear spray. And, of course, there are bears in the area. Also, in that part, that northern part of Washington state, there are wolves. And there is a lynx population. So all of a sudden, when They're all gonna gang when our us. guide said he didn't have a gun, I thought, gosh, I hope we don't get any visitors in the middle of the night. Yeah. Well, the other thing that made me even more comfortable is that uh, after dinner, Buck goes over. He had picketed all the horses, so there was a, there was some rails there. This is a horse camp, but he took all the saddles off the horses, untied all but two of the of the animals. I know, and, and all of a sudden they come racing through sudden, camp. <laughs> it is a stampede coming through. I thought something like went wrong. Uh-huh. Like did the the horses have kind of a jailbreak? And it was like. Fifth graders on the last day of school. I mean, they <laughs> bolted and just took off down the mountain. And we're gone. And, and we're gone. And Buck comes, you know, wandering back to the fire. And we're like, what What was that? He goes, well, what I do at night is I let all but two of the animals go. They feed and water all night. And then in the morning, I get them back. I tie them up. And then the other two that were tied up. It's their turn to feed and water. And and that way, if we do need a horse, we have a couple. So I asked, well, where did our horses go? He goes, well, I don't know. Just... <laughs> and it, I was sure that they had had enough. Uh-huh. They were going back to the trailhead, uh-huh. which was, what, 20 miles away. Yeah. I thought, okay, that's great. Now we're out here. We have two horses left. Or did we mention that the Pesaten Wilderness is five Hundred thousand acres. Right. They could like, do you know any- how easily you could lose? They could be anywhere. They could be anywhere. So we had a few more questions for Buck. <laughs> Buck was already tired of <laughs> yeah, us. He was. He, <laughs> so he said, "Don't worry. In the morning, I'll find them." Mm-hmm. But I wanted to know how exactly are you going to find them? So we finally, I think he he like just stopped answering our questions. I think he did. Um, but I did wonder. So they don't have saddles or reins or harnesses or whatever you call all bridles. that stuff. Bridles. They don't have any of that. So I, I did wonder, how does he capture them and get them to all come back? Yeah. Yeah. So we we went to bed. And that first night, this is another thing that surprised me. I don't know why we keep getting surprised on all of our trips. We should maybe know this ahead of time. But when we slept in our tent, we woke up in the morning. There was ice on the inside of our tent. I know. It had frosted outside. I, I'm thinking August, you know, maybe we'll sleep outside. It was 28 degrees when we woke up. <laughs> so uh, it was it was pretty cold. And Thomas had said the night before, and he says, I'll have coffee ready at 6 a.m. So it's like I'm looking at my watch. It's 10 after 6 in the morning. It's 28 degrees. I've now put on every piece of clothing <laughs> I brought. I'm wandering around looking at the wildflowers. And... I go over to hunt down some coffee and I go over to the kitchen area. I don't see any coffee. 
I don't see Thomas. I don't see Buck. I'm thinking, okay, they bolted too. <laughs> they took the two horses. You started the question. They're gone. And I'm kind of like milling about. And I see there's a pile of tarps, the mule tarps, where they had bundled up all the equipment. And they started moving. So I was going to beat the pile of tarps with a log or something because I thought there was like a, a lynx. The lynx population was under, under the tarps. Tarp. But no, then Thomas sticks his head out from underneath the tarps. That's all he had. He didn't didn't even have a sleeping bag. He was just sleeping with the mule tarps. He goes, do you need anything? <laughs> like, no, no. I was just kind of, you know, looking for coffee. Oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll get you coffee. So I kind of felt bad that I woke him up and but he made, he made coffee for us and yeah, and Buck slept under tarps too, right? Over by the well, two remaining horses. I don't even know that he slept under a tarp. He took all the saddles. What he d- did was piled all the saddles together, and then he he said, "Well, I got to sleep with the saddles because if you don't, then the deer come in the middle of the night and they like to chew on the leather and they'll eat the saddles." And so, it, so I don't know if he had a tarp over him. Maybe he did. Gosh, I would hope so. As cold as it got, and so then, yeah, after we had breakfast, then. <laughs> Buck saddled up a horse and he told us, all right, I'm going to go try to find our horses now. I might be back in, in an hour. I might be back tonight. <laughs> and we're like, yeah, I had more. I, I had more questions for him. <laughs> I said, seriously, like, how do you how are you going to find them? They, they could be in Cleveland by now. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, well, th- those those animals have been up here before. They've never been to this camp, but they've been at this area. He said, there's a lake that they like to go to. And he goes, "That's I'm going to try that first. Rema Lake. Rema Lake, mm-hmm. which is three miles away. That's the first thing you're going to try. What if they're not there? Anyway, he uh, about two and a half hours later, here, here he comes. He's with all the horses. With all the horses. And you ask him, like, how do you get, what would that be, uh, 13 horses and mules to, to follow you? Because they clearly want to be at the lake. And he told us that. Being pack animals, they kind of have a natural leader within the pack, and he and he knew which one that was. That there was a lead mule. He says, "All I have to do is go get that lead mule, and uh, you know, put a bridle on him and lead him, and they'll all follow." And then, sure enough, that's what he did. When he comes into camp, none of the others were tied up. He mm-hmm. just had that one mule, and the others were following. So we had we had our horses back. We did, and I just, I remember them coming up the side of the mountain and coming into camp, and the uh, the frost that had covered the all the wild flowers and and the ground had melted and was shimmering in the sunlight. It looked like there were like there were beads of dew shimmering, and then these horses come up, and it was like a dream. It was like we were in the middle of a dream. Was it magical? It was magical. <laughs> <laughs> Although I wasn't really looking forward to getting back on the yeah. horse, which was what came next. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't walk, but uh, but we did. We had a choice. We could have hiked. Uh-huh. Um, we could have just sat at all, around the fire all day, or we could do a day trip. And since we had our rides back, yeah, uh, we decided that we were going to do a day trip. And we that day trip, that first full day, was an incredible, incredible sight. So we actually ended up going back by Remmel Lake. That's right. And so, and then we went on from there to Cathedral Lake. Absolutely beautiful. And again, this part of the Pesatan Wilderness was untouched by fire. So it is absolutely stunning. It reminded us of the high country of Yosemite up right. there. 
and we we had to go on a couple of cliffs, but these were steeper and rockier mm-hmm. to get to the cathedral like and you know, again, just trying not to think about, like, I, I hope my horse with the broken steering knows how to <laughs> navigate the, the cliffs. And and all the horses did fine. I mean, they... Yeah. They, uh, and one thing Toby kept doing, though, is he would lag really far behind everybody. Oh, that's right. And I couldn't get him to go faster. I'd, like, nudge him a little bit with my heels. And he just, he was like... Do, 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 do. <laughs> right. But then all of a sudden he would look up and realize he was really far behind and he would take off running. I, <laughs> and I, I could barely hang I on know. For I know. I think he was doing that on purpose. <laughs> he was giving himself some room because he wanted to run. So uh-huh. he would run to catch up and he kept doing that. I know. Yeah. They finally, Buck put me at the back mm-hmm. because he knew my horse wanted to crowd the others. And then he knew that your horse wanted to fall behind. Which worked out great. Yeah, that worked out great. It was a fantastic day. We had taken sack lunches, and by the time we got back, Thomas had dinner waiting for us. So it was fantastic. Well, that night, so we're wondering, okay, so the horse is going to go go stampede again and, and mm-hmm. run down to Rummel Lake. Uh, Buck didn't want them to do that. So he knew that there was a meadow that the horses couldn't see, but it was about 300 yards up the hill. And he was going to lead them up there and hope that they could notice that, okay, well, you got water and food here. You don't have to go three miles away. And so he leads the horses up there. And it's dark by now. You and I had gotten into our tent. Right. It was completely dark. But I hear Thomas talking to John and Lolly outside our tent. And so you hear the horses go up and then there's nothing for about 20 minutes. And then you hear here the stampede. <laughs> They're and, coming back. And Thomas told, uh, said to John and Lolly, do you guys have your phones with you? And they said, yeah, like, hey, we're going to take a movie of the stampede or something. He goes, put your flashlights on strobe and wave them in the air and yell so that it, it disturbs the horses and scares them back up to the meadow. And so you hear all of this stampeding and then, you know, yelling and, and hollering. And then they go away and the stampeding again. This went on about three times. Finally, they got him up there. And so we all went to bed. The next morning, I asked Thomas, well, what if you hadn't been able to stop the horses? Would they have just stampeded through camp and, like, trampled us in our tent? And he goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you could have told us that yeah. last night. Did you think about maybe <laughs> suggesting oh, that yeah, we get you out guys, of the tent? <laughs> you guys are lucky to live through that. So anyway, that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Anyway, the next day was another great day. Buck took us in the opposite direction. He took us west, and we went up to the same meadow where the horses had been, and then further on into this kind of this high plateau area. Again, wildflowers everywhere. Yeah, it was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. One of the most beautiful places I have ever seen. We had gotten above tree line mm-hmm. for a lot of it, and we just found a little spot that had, had a couple of trees. Buck tied up all the horses, picketed them into the trees, and... We had our lunches with us and we went hiking for, we were up there for hours. We were. It was amazing. You could see all the way up into Canada. It was so beautiful. Yeah, both of those days were incredible. We absolutely loved that. Yeah, so another great day trip. But my horse tried to kill me several times on the way back. He would, being eight feet tall, he crows every time I describe him, uh, (laughs) he would just walk me through the trees and I couldn't even bend down enough to not get hit by the trees. But anyway, we got back to camp. And then that night, surprisingly, by the third night, uh, when it was time to 
let the horses go and feed and water. They went right up to the meadow. Yeah. They had I think they were tired they by had, that point. They had no especially, interest. Yeah. Especially little Toby. Oh Toby. <laughs> Poor Toby. <laughs> yeah. We had to, we we're just about out of quarters for Toby. I, I think he was wearing down. He wasn't used to that much excitement. And they were perfectly happy to to go up there. Mm-hmm. The next day was our data pack up and head back to the trailhead. I know. And that, we knew it was going to be a long day. That was a long day. Mm-hmm. And people people at this point were kind of a little bit cranky. Well, we weren't cranky until a couple of hours into the ride. And we were, again, covered with dust. It was hot. There was no shade. So, yeah, that was that was a very long day. I don't think I've ever been so dirty in my entire life. All, right. all you could see were our eyeballs. And the rest of us was just covered with dust. Right seemed to go on forever. And of course, it's getting warmer and warmer as we get down lower in elevation. And we finally, <laughs> and it was a long day for the horses, but we get to this one spot, almost almost back to the trailhead, but there's a pretty good-sized creek and Buck's in the lead. And he says, look, the horses and the mules need to drink. So as you, everybody, as you get to this stream, stop and let your horses drink for a couple of minutes. Kind of everyone had to cycle through this. And our our pack train was, you know, 15 animals long. We're at the very back. Yeah, I remember you and I were the last ones. And so we were stopped back there on our horses and it was quiet. And all of a sudden we heard this rattling sound. And it took us about 30 seconds to figure out what that was. Yeah, was it? And we looked down (laughs) and there was a rattlesnake right right at basically at our feet as we were stopped there. (laughs) (laughs) There's a rattlesnake five feet away. I was pretty surprised because the the rattlesnake kept rattling, which Mm -hmm. means it's unhappy. Right. Right. It's it's telling you to get away. Uh, But the horses were perfectly calm. Yeah, they didn't seem as bothered by it as you and I were. (laughs) But we have nowhere to go because we can't go forward because we're stopped by the other horses drinking. And I I yelled at Buck, hey, you guys got to keep moving. There's a snake back here. We got to move down the trail. And he's like, no, no, the horses need to drink. And then I was like, do snakes, does it bother them when you yell? Like, I didn't want to upset the snake. I don't know. If, do they have ears? I, so I know. anyways, it was the end of a long three and a half days. And at that point, I just thought, okay, maybe if I get bit by a rattlesnake, like my butt will stop hurting, right? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just kind of this this odd moment where we're on a horse. We can't move. There's a rattlesnake five feet away rattling, mm-hmm. and I can't do anything about it. I'm just like, fine, whatever. Whatever happens, happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, finally, we got we were able to get away from the rattlesnake. and. Yep. So the city slickers finally made it back to the trailhead covered in dirt, but it was a really good trip. And what did we do the very first thing we went to? So we get in John's truck. And we thank the we thank Buck and Thomas and and the outfitter owner and we gave them tips and all of that, which is something you should do if, mm-hmm. if they take good care of you, right? And so the four of us get into John's truck and I'm thinking we got to go straight to where we're staying to take a shower. And then we look look at each other like, nope, <laughs> we're hungry, we're going into town. We went straight to a bar. We didn't care that we looked. Oh my god! We had god. dust. We were covered in dust, and, and we, we hadn't showered in we four days. Smelled like horses. Mm-hmm. We just we sat in this little restaurant, 
ordered hamburgers and everyone was looking at us and we're like, yeah, yeah. we're we're horse people now. That's right. <laughs> we're we're wranglers. Is that yeah, what you call? Or we're cowboys? <laughs> we're we're something. We're not. We were, yeah, we were dirty, anymore. smelly people. <laughs> <laughs> Drinking beer really fast <laughs> and eating hamburgers with our gross, dirty fingers. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it was a good trip, though. And boy, I, I love Toby. I hated to say goodbye to him. He was like he was like a little pet. Yeah, he's he like a pet. pet. We could put him in the back of the truck and <laughs> right. take him home. I know. I that know. was a good trip. And honestly, I would even there at the end of the trip when we were hot and dusty and tired and our butts hurt, if somebody said, hey – would you sign up for another one of these next week? I would have done it. Oh, I would too. In fact, I really want to do another one. I know people have told us that they have gone on horseback trips in some of the national parks. One that comes to mind is uh, Grand Teton. But I know I would like to go in Wyoming or Idaho, some of those wilderness areas. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, try something new. We'll have to look into that. But the next time, I'm getting those padded shorts. (laughs) 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 As we mentioned in last week's episode, we're consolidating our mailbag segments into one entire show every month. So if you have mailbag questions, please continue to send them to us. Our email address is mattandkarensmith at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Instagram at mattandkarensmith or on Facebook at dearbobns. We create show notes for every episode, and those have links at the bottom that will give you more information about some of the things we discussed. There's also a link where you can view photos from our horse pack trip. Go to www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com, click on the Episodes tab in the menu bar, and then click on the title for Episode 29. Our show is produced by the very, very talented team at Puddle Creative in Portland, Oregon. Our artwork is by the designers at Expert Subjects, and our theme music is by Will West. You know, as I was scanning the internet for horse lingo, I came across a piece of advice for you, Matt. Okay, let's hear it. Okay. Treat a woman like a racehorse, and she'll never be a nag. Okay, that's it. For the listener's sake, I am going to hit the stop recording button now. But it's so much fun. It is.